This is Pretty Much Pop, a culture podcast today, recasting itself as feminist existentialism for teens, because I think that's pretty much what Barbie is, the new film by Greta Gerwig. I'm Mark Linton-Meyer, unlike Alan, in that I'm not at this point able to fit in all of Ken's clothes. I'm Al Baker, and I'm become death, destroyer of worlds. I'm <laughs> oh, sorry, was that... That's the wrong oh, that was, movie. That's, that's the, the next movie. one. Oh, sorry. My name is Sarah Lynn Bruck. I'm an educator and a writer, and I am also Barbie. <laughs> I don't know what to do with that. My name is Lawrence, and I'm going to do the entire podcast in my kin voice because it's sexy. Did anybody not like this movie or like at least have some? This was definitely worth talking about. Like it could have, we had yeah. sort of decided before based on the hype. And I thought no movie could possibly live up to what is being promised here. And yeah, of course, there are problems that we can discuss, but like at least it seemed like a lot of people are talking about this and for good reason. I this agree. Is, I agree. Yeah, one of the most discussable movies I've maybe ever seen in my life. There are so many good conversations to be had about it. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. But I, I think we all, all four of us, generally, we were thumbs up on this movie. I, we were. Yeah, I was. Yeah. It's, yes. Some of the things that this movie does, it does better than all, almost any anything I've ever seen in my life. But it's not perfect. And some of the, the places where it doesn't, some of the places where it goes off the rails a little bit, I think are also really interesting, especially in contrast to the things it does really well. But we're going to talk, we're going to talk a lot about yeah. that. Was- I'm curious about what your backgrounds are with Barbie. I remember working when I was in college and I worked at Blockbuster Video. I remember there were like these Barbie cartoon movies that people yeah. would come in mm. and like they would ravish the blockbuster every single friday night that like the movies would never be and it was all it was those movies and the mary kate and olsen movies mm-hmm. they had a little kid girl movies whatever oh, yeah and so Sleepover. that yeah and so that's all that i know i know that they were very popular with the little girls but i had no meaningful interest because i had no cousins that were playing with them i had no little sister Nothing like that. So I had no meaningful interaction with them. Now, if you want to talk about like Hot Wheels or something like that, I could talk about that. But as far as Barbie, I have no relationship. If there was a Hot Wheels movie that matched this movie in its level of thoughtfulness, I will do a Hot Wheels episode. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) You know, as a toy movie, this actually did engage right with people's way of playing with Barbies, whether it be defacing them or just moving them from the top of the house to the bottom and the jokes about the stickers. And so like, I knew enough about Barbies to get that stuff. My sister had some, it wasn't like the top of, and I think, you know, eventually my daughter had a couple that were given to us, but it was definitely not something like that we sought out. And she was way more into American girl stuff. My sister had Barbies, a couple, but they, and they all just kind of landed in the same general toy boxes, all my uh, Thundercats toys. They were the big thing for me. So they all wound up being played with together. But besides that, the main thing I remember about Barbie as a phenomenon is being generally happy to dismiss her as a, as a harmful anti-feminist brand, which is an incredibly interesting thing to be confronted with now in the shape of the Barbie movie, which I think is what one of the most interesting things about it is the way it handles that. It's been really interesting to me to see the way that the Barbie movie has been embraced by people, given that most of my adult life, I the sense that I've gotten is that like serious grown-up culture is basically past Barbie as a positive influence. And it turns out that's absolutely not true. Growing up with Barbie, I mean, I, I'm a kid of the 70s and 80s and my mom did not allow me to play with Barbie. She didn't buy them. She didn't want me to be around them. She did not like them specifically for the same reasons that you just mentioned, Al. But my best friend growing up who was lived right down the street from me, she loved Barbies. She collected Barbies. She's black. And so she had black Barbies. And watching this movie, it kind of gave me a new perspective on why she had Barbies, why her mother bought her Barbies. And we would play with those Barbies. I loved those Barbies. Those Barbies went on adventures. I think my mom was so worried that it would 
caused me to be focused on hair and looks and putting on makeup and all that kind of stuff. And that was, we did a little bit of that, but mostly, you know, they fought bad guys and they went camping and they climbed trees and and that kind of stuff. And I just, I, I loved playing with Barbies, but I know that it was kind of a, something that I was doing against. My mother was definitely not supportive of those activities. I should add that even when I played with Hot Wheels or Matchbox cars, I had more of, but it was like I was playing with Barbies that the, they wouldn't just zoom around like my peers would do. They would like go to a restaurant, which would be a block and eat nuts and bolts for lunch. That's what, that's like the, the sort serious? of activity. Yes. You're serious. A very You're geeky real? way of playing with. I have never in my life heard of anyone playing with Hot Wheels in that fashion. That is the strangest thing I've ever heard in my entire life. More strange than Barbies climbing up trees. That's not strange. That's, I think it's part of my imaginative play. I, and as an adult, I allowed my daughter to have Barbies because those were the experiences that I associated with Barbies. It wasn't about learning how to do your eye makeup or something. It was always about, they always went on these fantastic adventures. They were almost like Indiana Jones in a way, you know, except they were. I did have a full Barbie size uh, GI Joe. That was the era of that. So that was just the, the sex appropriate thing that my, my rather than a this Ken, so which was weird. Strange. So what then do you think the Barbie movie did well, Miss Sarah, since you are the resident Barbieologist? Mm. What do you think this movie did well in regards to Barbie and the way that you played with them? I think that, and I am not a Barbieologist, but I definitely thought that the way that it portrayed our imaginations and the ways in which that manifested in in the Barbie world really made a lot of sense to me. But it also just opened up my perspective to how my friend played with Barbies and how she saw Barbies and her mother probably saw Barbies as I am Barbie, you are Barbie, we're all Barbies. You know, it, it was something that she could actually, it was one of the few toys at the time that my black friend could actually see herself in. And my mom, she thought it was anti-feminist. She absolutely did not like these dolls. But I felt like my friend's mom and my friend saw it, that family saw it exactly the opposite, that they saw it as opening doors for the next generation. So I want to think about the levels of this. Like there were tweens at this showing that I went to that loved it, that were dancing in front, around in front of the screen as the closing credits <laughs> were going and people were filing out. And my, I saw it you know, with my daughter and my wife and they both enjoyed it and did not appreciate my pickiness <laughs> about the pacing. You know, I just <laughs> thought it was sort of a jumbled mess in terms of, like I thought as four distinct movies, like that you had this Barbie land part at the beginning, which is what you're describing and the playing with things. And then we had the fish out of water part. We'll go to the real world, which was pretty silly. But and then I thought the third act of like the Kens have taken over and let's dupe them was sort of the weakest of them, uh, or at least it was very silly. And then this extended meditative philosophical ending. And I'm actually including the big dance number in that. <laughs> but, you know, I just felt like four different films of different levels of quality there that the last one made it, but I, I it, but think it you did might not be necessarily right. I think you might be right. Honestly. Yeah. And it, but just actually sitting through the whole thing, I don't know. I was a little exhausted. It, it did not seem like the audience tested it a lot in terms of how much of this do you want to see? I don't know. I, I had problems with the editing. I think less than like four movies in one. What struck me about it, especially after seeing Greta Gerwig, Margot Robbie talk a lot about like what they wanted to do with the film, which is all so interesting. There's loads of really, really good behind the scenes stuff. It felt less to me like they were making four different movies, but more like they cared a lot more about hitting certain themes or doing certain things with the movie more than having like a cohesive whole. One of the really interesting places where I think the movie falls short a little bit is it's really hard to pin down what the feminist philosophy behind the movie is what's the like bottom line commentary that it's trying to say because there's certain things in tension with like Ken's character and with uh the way like the Barbie verse matriarchy is set up and the way that's portrayed and the contrast with the real world and stuff which some of it doesn't gel together really well 
but all of it is really interesting individually. It felt to me like they were very focused on making sure that they hit a lot of important themes and where it got a little bit confusing for me is where those kind of run into one another or things didn't pay off quite as neatly as you might hope, which is like in the grand scheme of things, a really small criticism, but it is the thing that stood out to me as as disappointing given how amazing so much of the filmmaking is. I mean, some of those messages were contradictory and I wondered if that was on purpose, you know, it's like that idea of you can be anybody you want, you can have it all, but no, you can't have it all. You know, it's impossible to be a woman. You know, those kinds of messages seemed all thrown in there, but they didn't all seem to agree with each other. That's a really good point. They do explicitly talk about that. And that there's that amazing speech. Did you have audiences that at my theater, my West Philly theater, it was raucous. It was lively. People dressed up. My daughter dressed up. And during that speech, there were whoops in the audience. There were applause there. I mean, it was just, it was alive. And that absolutely added to my experience of watching movies. That made me love this movie. And that was, that's a speech that, you know, I've heard speeches like that before, but hearing it with that particular audience was just magical. I'm really hesitant to weigh into this because I kind of, I enjoyed the movie, but I didn't love it. And I didn't love it because of exactly what Mark has nailed down for me. And I, I hadn't thought about it enough to kind of figure out what it was, but that's what it was, is that the film was very episodic and that there was different episodes throughout the film. And that's fine. But at my theater, people were there. It wasn't as raucous as West Philly. I probably should have came to West Philly to watch the film. But people were dressed up. You know, people were wearing pink. Everyone was wearing pink. I took my son to it. My son and I did a Barbenheimer day. We spent the entire day at the movie theater. And we went to watch Oppenheimer first. And then we went to watch Barbie. And he went home for like five minutes to grab his pink hat because he saw that everyone was there was wearing pink. And it was like a pink F-150 there. It was a pink Mustang there. It was pink everywhere. So it was over the top pink. And I really wanted to like it. I really wanted to like the film. But then I watched it and it was it was good. It wasn't great. It wasn't great cinema. And honestly, I think that me watching it with the crowd that I watched it with made me like it more than I actually would have liked it if I had seen it by myself. Yeah. And so I'm a little nervous to watch it again because I think I don't like this movie very much because I don't think it's saying anything interesting. Like the feminist ideas that are there, I have seen those all over the place. There's nothing new happening here. So, I mean, like I said, I enjoyed the film. I really liked the crowd that I watched it with. I thought the marketing was brilliant. Like the marketing is really the story of the film. I remember Googling Barbie and like it'd be like pink and like sparkly in Google. It it was crazy. But I'm not sure that I enjoy the film. And I'll say more about this later. One thing I really don't like about the film is the way that people, like women commenting on the film, the way that that's kind of that, that discourse has kind of happened online that like it's like you must love it with no criticisms otherwise you're not a real friend to women and that's going a little bit too far for me we'll get into that later on i want to ask you lawrence how you felt about the technical aspects of the filmmaking because that was a lot of the stuff that i was most impressed by like the production design is yeah production design production design that's is true. great yeah I, I think the the realization the choreography all of it's really good all of yeah. it's good yeah so so the, the realization of the world so the fact that it's like a plastic world and like the way that that's kind of kind of put together and the way that it's contrasted with like the real world if you will all that's top notch so the directing is good the acting is i think was really really good i would be shocked if ryan gosling is not nominated for best supporting actor because he was really good in that i thought the, the choreography was good everything was good my issue was with the story my issue was on the storytelling level but everything else i think you're right al everything else is top notch from a surface level, though, like just compared to the Lego movie, that's what I thought with the first, the opening scene that like that everything is awesome. Like the Lego movie worked as a nice kids movie. It wasn't saying anything. <laughs> I, at least I don't recall it saying anything very profound. It had some tender moments eventually with the boy and his sister or whatever. But, you know, I felt like that was only the starting point for this. And then it moved different directions. Yeah, the Lego movie had the luxury of not having to make a profound comment, but a Barbie movie was always going to have to do that. I honestly think that a lot of the places where the movie falls down are really 
kind of inevitable and just have to do with the fact that you are simultaneously trying to make a movie which satisfies like the people who are incredibly fond of this uh, of this brand and this property but you also because of the people involved and because of the moment that we're in you need to address a lot of valid criticisms of barbie and those two things come together in a very uncomfortable way for the movie sometimes and because you ultimately have to satisfy both of those points of view that's why you wind up like not being able to make a, a very coherent point so maybe that was just inevitable it was inevitable that those kinds of problems were going to arise and given that the movie that we have is an incredible attempt to do what's probably impossible is it post post ironic so we have your ironic movies new sincerity and then it? and then you got your new sincerity but this one was trying to go what's the next step beyond that I thought it felt specifically like a Greta Gerwig movie, though, too. Like it felt like it was coming from a particular point of view that actually didn't really, it's not that far from my own point of view. And so I definitely felt like it was safe in a lot of ways, but it was still very specifically Greta Gerwig and her style of feminism. It's really interesting at thinking about what this is going to do to the film industry in the near future, because this was a tremendous like gamble. And it's like, does anyone know offhand how many records this film's broken? It's absolutely insane. It's going to break a billion dollars. They're saying 1.3 for this one, and it could end up in the top 10 of all time moneymakers. But we've had these conversations before. I, I mean, I, I hate to be a downer, but, but it's like... She's, I mean, Patty Jenkins and, and sorry, and, and, you know, like we've had filmmakers or women in film, you know, this, we've been having this conversation since Thelma and Louise, right? You know, now we're finally going to see a resurgence of, or just women making films, you know, they're 2% of the directors, you know, I don't know that this is going to make any change at all. I, I hope so, but I don't know if they, if it will. I don't think it will make that change. What I do think we're going to see is a lot of indie filmmakers being approached by toy companies and people with IPs and no particular story to tell about them. <laughs> like the whole, whatever the Hot Wheels movie turns out to be, it's going to be directed by Jim Jarmusch. Yeah, Mar Marvel did do that. That's the reason why The Eternals was made and why it was so crappy was because they <laughs> approached a independent filmmaker who, in all other aspects, is a great filmmaker, but that doesn't work in the Marvel machine, which he was trying to do. We'll see what happens with Nia DaCosta and the Eternals. But I think that Al is on to something because indie filmmakers, they don't cost a lot of money. You can kind of guide them in what you want them to do. And Greta Gerwig is a singular kind of talent. Her and Noah Bumbach, which I think we should kind of also mention, who also co-wrote the film, they are singular talents that are able to kind of infuse their ideas within the context of like this IP. Not everyone is going to be able to do that. And so I do wonder what this is going to do because this movie is incredibly successful and it is really going to be one of the most successful movies of all time. And so we'll have to see what happens to the film industry post Barbie, because I don't think we're going to see an influx of a lot of women filmmakers. I would love to see it, but I don't think it's going to, we're going to see that. But I do think something's going to happen because of this. I don't know what that will be, though. Let's get back to the philosophy for a second here, because, you know, I described it as feminist existentialism for teens. Like the, the feminism stuff is right on the surface. It's just stated up front. But I took a little seriously the thinking about death right at the beginning and how that then turns into this sort of Pinocchio I choose to be. And the way that those two things interact always is interesting to me because on the one hand, I feel like being into philosophy at all is sort of a bourgeois thing, right? It is, if you look at Maslow's hierarchy of needs, most of the people that spend a lot of time with philosophy, I think are people that are not struggling such that they have the mental space to think about that. If you have to be totally devoted to your career or whatever it is to survive, if you are ground down, but on the other hand, the people who are ground down, those are the people, right? This is why I think Lawrence, you're reacting <laughs> skeptically to, uh, uh, sorry, what's the, the Fanon, you know, is writing about that. If you're in the circumstance where somebody is defining you, those are the people that are going to be asking, who am I really? Whereas if you, you are go. the master of all that you see, you're never actually driven to question. So it's, you know, there's both of those things are at play in the history of, you know, between Fanon and Beauvoir and things like that. The other thing from Beauvoir 
is that she, this is going to be my hot take that I have not seen anywhere else. I think that the Ken story was not about masculinity. I think it was about someone who is stunted, who has been in this society that, so it's also about feminism, that he is just in this inverted Barbie world. The men are like 18th, 17th century women. And so this is who Beauvoir was writing about, that she could be very critical. And in fact, even Nietzsche, who's, oh, he just hated women. Well, he was talking about how vapid the women that he knew were who had been ground down and never been allowed to think. So yes, once that the Ken figure is allowed to escape this and have some power, he's going to do totally immature, stupid things because he's not been like mentally trained and built up in a way, you know, he's not a full person. Mm-hmm. I kind of think that's an interesting take. That's a fascinating take, Mark. I actually agree. I think something, something similar, and I think there's more supporting evidence in the movie that that's broadly what's going on. So yeah, Ken's an innocent and he is, he's corrupted by like the real world patriarchy. Basically it gives him a reason to think about his place in the Barbie verse. And I mean, my, my girlfriend made this point when I was talking, I was talking to her about it earlier. It's the, it, it isn't that Ken was always going to be like the bad guy. It's that he gets corrupted by the patriarchy and that's the only way he knows how to respond to what's going on in the Barbie verse. That's the, that was the Ken arc as that was the Ken arc. But something I think the movie does really well the way it shows the oppression in inverted commas, like it's weird oppression, the oppression of the Kens in the first act of the movie, it's so pleasant and dismissive and good natured. It really reminded me of early 20th century Hollywood's attitude to women and the way that patriarchy and those kinds of movies was expressed by the films themselves. So like the women were never shown as being miserable. They were just like dismissed. Everyone was happy about it. Like women knew their place and everything was fine. And that's what's going on in, in the Barbie verse as well. We've got, there is clear inequality. There's clear problems with the way this society is set up, but it's all fine because we're making a movie and everything that happens in Barbie land is so obviously artificial. It's, it's all just set up. Like all the, there's loads of interviews with Greta Go where she's talking about her filming influences for, for this movie. And it's all like the, the Wizard of Oz, the Red Shoes, loads of stuff that's like, that's all, yeah, everything is, is completely dreamlike, which so much of the Barbie movie is, or at least when it's in the Barbie land. Yeah, it functions by its own roles. Back to your question, Mark, about Barbie and where she kind of falls on that existential plane. Like on one hand, who is more privileged than stereotypical Barbie, right? She's blonde, she's white, she's beautiful. She is what, that is the image that you think of when you think of Barbie, when you think of perfection and quotes, right? And so, of course, she has the time to think about her place in the world. She has time to think about dying. But then on the other hand, she quickly discovers that she is not as privileged as she may have thought. And this, again, is Greta Gerwig's style of feminism. So I think it kind of works on both of those planes that you're talking about, that the movie kind of plays with thinking of those kinds of ideas, those kinds of existential ideas on both that privileged side and the non-privileged side. This episode is brought to you by The Jordan Harbinger Show, a top-shelf podcast named Best of Apple in 2018. He's talking to professors, CEOs, authors, scientists, athletes, etc. There are upwards of 800 episodes getting into technology, politics, psychology, entrepreneurship, and more. I listened to number 695 with Malcolm Gladwell about deception and imperfect puzzles and other things. And number 830 with Terry Crews, the actor talking about empathy and growth and forgiveness. JordanHarbinger.com slash start groups episodes by topic. So if you want to do a deep dive on Putin or financial crimes or relationships or the mafia, all the stuff is grouped. Jordan is a very good interviewer. He gets his guests to share stories that you haven't heard. He pulls out tactical bits of wisdom in each episode designed to make you a more informed, critical thinker. You can't go wrong with adding The Jordan Harbinger Show to your rotation. It's incredibly interesting. There's never a dull show. Search for The Jordan Harbinger Show. That's H-A-R-B as in boy, I-N as in Nancy, G-E-R on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts.
Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. The thing that I came out of the movie wanting to criticize was that the source of the thinking about death was the human yeah. who then was having this conflict with her daughter that it seemed like because the movie was trying to be thematically unified was driven by feminism, was driven by the daughter is so badass and is a kind of a bully, actually, in her social circle, as they make clear. Something else my girlfriend picked up on was that all the, the, the daughter and her friends, when they're sitting around the school table, were all dressed up as Bratz dolls. <laughs> they had exactly the same costumes on that the, the Bratz dolls did. <laughs> I didn't notice that, but it makes sense. That's right. That is notice. really interesting. I did notice that. I did notice that. <laughs> Do we feel like some of her resentment of her mother or, you know, was, I don't know, I, I had resentment or, you know, felt superior to adults because like as a kid, your possibilities are limitless, especially, you know, people always told me, oh, oh, you're so smart, whatever, that like if some teacher, I understood like you probably something went wrong with your life for you to end up being an elementary school teacher. So I was very contemptuous of what they might have. This is terrible. I was, I was wow. a monster little bastard, but you know. <laughs> Of what they might have to teach me. I think this is like what being a 12 year old kind of is about. And some of that, you know, is is her then the fact that she's then mouthing to the Barbie's face, these contemporary feminist things and doesn't understand her mother's point of view. And it's only when she sees her mother actually give the big feminist speech and, you know, take some action that, you know, somehow the mutual understanding of feminism brings them together. It seemed very cheap and unsatisfying because like so many movies like, oh, I don't know about you, dad. Oh, now we've gone to a fantasy land and uh, we've at least witnessed a a bunch of wonderful things. Now I feel closer to you. Like that's that's sort of what it felt like. It is a problem with the Barbie movie that the most developed and most coherent art belongs to Ken. You could argue that he has the more interesting character arc. Mm. I mean, he does, but... I will say this about this, Mark, though, the way that I read that, and it's kind of ham handedly done. It's not done very, very well, but I read that as like 2023 feminists, like people who don't understand the depth and the breadth of feminism, but only kind of jump in at the tail end of it. And like them not fully understanding the depth of feminism and the tension between 2023 12 year old feminists an older feminist and like the tension there. That's how I read that, that she had to understand where her mom was coming from to fully understand really who she was and why she thinks the way that she thinks. And so once she understood that, then everything kind of came together. It's not very well done. It's not very well thought right, out. Just, not well, out just as well as de- devote another speech or two to it. You know, I think it would have fixed yeah, it. Yeah. Something like that to kind of flesh it out. Well, what do you think it's trying to say then about mothers and daughters? Cause I don't know, actually, I'm not really sure what the messaging is about mothers and daughters in this. I don't think it's anything particularly radical. I think it's, it's pretty standard. It's pretty standard. Mothers and daughters don't get along. And then the daughter understands the mother a little bit more. And now she understands where she's coming from. I think it's more interesting to think in the terms that you were describing earlier, Lawrence, where the mother and daughter are more or less just stand-ins for different generations of feminism or different attitudes to feminism. Because you're right, Sarah Lynn, there isn't a lot about mothers and daughters specifically in, in the movie. But she did make a point of trying to wrap that piece up in a way that seems just a little bit too tidy as somebody who is, you know, a mother of a teenage daughter. <laughs> yes, the whole... I want to see you as a full person. I just think the movie had to focus that kind of thing on Barbie. And so I didn't want it longer, ultimately. So something had to go. And either it would have been a more talky film. Like I saw little flashes of like Bombach's marriage story in, you know, some of the relationship stuff, but just a little. Like that was a bummer of a movie. And insofar as that stench crept into here, it brought things down a little bit. But that's like what dealing with what what real drama is. 
And so this had to also be, you know, it had to be good for kids. It had to be good for teens. You could mention these things. You could introduce these concepts. You could introduce the fact that like, hey, you have to deal with the fact that you're going to die eventually. Huh? But like, we're not going to try to wrap that up or spend too much time mired in that. It would bring the film down too much. Oh, no, no, no. It just only quickly that America Ferreira's character is our avatar, right? Like she's our eyes and ears. And it, because she's really, if not the hero of the piece, she's a hero of the piece. The everyday Barbie, I mean, that that is supposed to be her resolution is that. Yeah, is that. So we have to have a resolution with that because she is who we're seeing the story through. That's she's our audience avatar. One thing that I do wish I had read and and maybe it's out there and I'm just not aware of it, but I haven't come across it yet, is a black feminist critique of this film, because I would love to hear I might even text her and ask her what I think, what she thinks about this film. I would love to hear what Roxanne Gay thinks about this, right? I would love to hear what a late Bell Hooks or something like that would say about this film. And I, I wonder if maybe the film is just way too popular that they just don't want that kind of crossfire right now. And maybe it'll come a little bit later on. But I would love to read a black feminist takedown of this film because I was definitely noticing that this is a white woman's feminist film. Like, sure, Issa Rae is there. But like that black feminist critique is not there in this film. Barbie 2, the Issa Rae film, that, that should... No. Well, Issa Rae, it's not going to happen. It's going to be she a She could book. write it. She could... It's not going to be a movie. But this is a film that is definitely wrestling with the critiques that black women have brought up. This is a movie that is definitely wrestling with the critiques that are around and circulating before black women showed up but not really what what Black women have been talking about for a number of years. And so I'm interested in what they would have to say about this. I listened to Brooke Obie, who is a Black editor and writer, who talk about this movie. And she had some really interesting things to say about some of the performative nature of diversity in this movie. There are a lot of things that I didn't see. In fact, it made me want to go back and rewatch the movie just to kind of see it through her lens a little bit. Because, yeah, I think that those critiques are, are coming. I think they've already started, actually. I was listening to a couple other podcasts that had a little more representation on them that were, I just think you can't make every social critique at the same time. <laughs> and so I do think, yes, that should be just Barbie too. That should be dealt with in a separate film. Man, I don't know. See, see here's, here's my issue with that, is that if this film is going to try to say that it's going to tackle feminism, you got to tackle black women too. You have to tackle indigenous. Like you can't just say we're going to tackle feminism and only tackle white women. Like you just can't do that. And so if this film is going to say that it's going to tackle feminism, like if it's going to make that claim as going to try to tell that story, you got to be a little bit more expansive. And to be honest, it's not one of those things where it needs 15, 20 more minutes and like a gang drive by and sadness and some shit like that. Like that's not what the film needs. Just a little subtle bit more, and it would have been fine. It's just that it just completely like eschewed it. Like it definitely read to me as a film that was written by two white people who didn't talk that much to black people. That's honestly how how the film read, read to me, and that's part of the critique that I had of it. Like it's it's fine, and it's a fine example of feminism from the seventies and eighties, but it is not at all in conversation with feminism that came of age in 1990s post, you know, in 2000s. It's just not. Well, can you can you characterize, Lawrence, what the missing element is? Not just, I want someone, a woman of color to, obviously that would be a solution, is to, you know, have among the writers, but what the actual idea that you would want put in there? Can I offer something, Lawrence? I have a, a connected thought here. So one interesting thing I heard Greta Gerwig talk about in interviews for the movie is the idea that the brand of feminism or the, like, the fundamental feminist like thought that she wanted to put forward in the movie was the idea of enoughness and that as a woman, as a girl, but also people in general, uh, enough as you are. And so that firstly is very clearly one of the themes that they're trying to get across in the movie. But you could... Also, I think clearly see how that opens you up to an intersectional feminist critique along the lines of that's fine to say if you're white and relatively privileged, but like the reality of being a woman or a marginalized person in general in the world today is that it very much matters 
who you are and sometimes uncertain ways of being a person are just not enough. And how do you deal with that? I think it's really interesting to think about the question of whether the fact that critiques can be leveled at a film means that a film should have preempted those critiques and incorporated them or whether a part of the value of a movie like Barbie is that it provides kind of a clear cultural focus point for people to make critiques like that and then maybe develop the culture in that way. Right. The fundamental way that these Barbies were being oppressed, besides being sort of symbols of womanhood, is that they're dolls, right? That they're, they're corporate, they're owned by a corporate overlord that somehow controls everything they do. That's such a weird sci-fi sort of situation that's very hard for me then to say, let's make this into a comment about, you know, how the working class are, are exploited or intersectional uh, oppression. You know, it could say something about womanhood because that's, you know, sort of what the Barbie thing was about and about femininity and pink and girl power. And like, that's like actually built into the Barbie ethos that you could do anything. So it was like, that was what it had to work with. But given the just a weird situation set up, how would you build in like a, a more, is that the missing element, Lawrence, in part is the, you know, really a sort of more Marxist were being exploited in various ways. I mean, you could go that route. That's a lot for this film to do. Honestly, the easiest way to do this, Issa Rae is black. She did not comment on being a black woman. That's it. So that is the easiest kind of through line, right? You already have right there sitting in front of you, a black woman who is a Barbie. What's that about? What's that experience like, right? The whole history of black women feeling marginalized by Barbie and really fighting for Barbie to, to, to kind of, it's all sitting right there. It, it's not that you're like, you don't have to go Marx. You don't have to go Lenin. You can be straight Top Gun, Maverick, weird, bad guys, not naming them all that easily. Just talk about Issa Rae's experience. They just didn't do that. I wonder whether we could lay the blame for that because Greta Gerwig and Margot Robbie are both smart enough to know that that is something oh, that certainly the they film do. Yes. should do. Surely they do. And maybe we can sensibly lay the blame for that at the fact that they had to work so closely with Mattel. I think it was really interesting the parts in the movie where it seemed to me like Greta Gerwig's vision was being compromised by having to work for Mattel. I think, I mean, you're never that sad to see Will Ferrell in a movie but he was completely superfluous and it felt like the Mattel Corporation being such a strong part of the film felt like that was enforced to some degree. I mean, again, it comes down to this is Greta Gerwig's vision. This is Greta Gerwig's story. You know, it's back to who are the people who are able to tell these stories, even with who is playing with the Barbies. And it's America Ferrara is playing with the Barbie and her ethnicity isn't mentioned either. And she's playing with a white Barbie. She's playing with a stereotypical Barbie, you know? So there are little things that could have been addressed here. I agree with you, Lawrence. This was very much um, as much about whiteness as it is about white feminism, you know? But it would be interesting to see a story of who plays with one of the Barbies that are not the stereotypical Barbie. That, that would be an interesting story, too. That ultimately brings me to my next question. This is a, a movie ultimately about Barbie. Are we asking too much here? Maybe, <laughs> maybe I'm asking too much. Yes. Right? Because, because, because honestly, is this a kid's movie? Because if it's a kid's movie, then maybe it did what it needed to do. Is this a kid's movie? I'm not sure it is. No, but it is. But, but it's a teen's movie or even a tween's movie because it, it introduces the kids to these sort of but difficult. Kids were there, man. Kids were there in force, yeah. man. I'm talking about little kids, eight year olds, nine year olds. They were there, man. So. It may be aimed at tweens, but people were treating it like a kid's movie. Gressico, Margot Robbie, and Noah, whatever his surname is. Bombay. Like the whole creative team went at this thing with a lot of intention and they clearly set out to say several things. So I think it's fair to call them out when the things that they're saying are unclear or maybe fall short in certain ways. They could, like the, the same creative team could have made a much more like fluff piece Barbie movie with all the same like visual characteristics. Ryan Gosling could have given more or less exactly the same amazing performance and the kids would still have loved it. But they did try to say something. They tried to say several like fairly profound things during the course of the film. So Lawrence, no, I don't think I don't think we're asking too much. They didn't have to try and 
make the kind of film that they that they ended up making. They took the big swing, so yeah. you know, and they did. They nailed a lot of it. In my screening, there were older women, like 50, 60 year old women wearing pink. There were 40 year old women wearing pink. There were tweens, right? So younger, like 20s, upper 18, 20, 30s wearing pink. There were younger kids, you know, wearing pink. And then there were little kids wearing pink. Do you think this movie spoke to each one of those demographics? in the way that it was trying to. Because I think the, the film was definitely trying to talk to all of those demographics. Do you think the film succeeded on, on that point? I do. I heard Greta Gerwig address the kid situation about whether or not this is a kid's movie. And she said that she doesn't really delineate between the ages. And when she was growing up, the movies that interested her the most were movies that asked big questions And I agree when she said that kids are a lot more sophisticated than we think they are. And they're curious and they may not get the full story, but they want in on that conversation. So you think that she's successful? Mark, do you think she was successful? If kids like it, then then I guess it was successful. No, I'm I'm, I'm saying the movie that you saw in your own eyes, do you think that that movie would have spoke to all those demographics? I have no idea other than just observing in the theater. I'm not going to be a, be a podcaster. Al, what do you think? Do you think the movie was successful? It did more or less what it set out to do. And what it set out to do was incredibly difficult, but more to the point, it did it in incredible filmic style. Like the whole thing is a real joy. The reason why I'm asking this is because we've been a little hard on the movie and I have my critiques. I have a lot of critiques of the film, but the film did what the film set out to do. And that is more than you can say for 90% of the films I saw in the movie theater this this summer. Honestly, like way more than like the film was financially successful. The film was artistically interesting. It did not nail all the things that it wanted to say about feminism perfectly. But I think that it is a big swing. And I admire that it took that big swing, even though it didn't necessarily hit. I think the film was a huge success. And I really enjoyed the film and I'm going to watch it again and I'm going to have the same critiques when I watch it again. But I recognize that maybe this is a film that is not meant for me. And that's okay. That's okay. Because it's still well made and I can appreciate that. Just the fact that it's opening up these conversations, I think, is really, really good and really, really healthy. I love that. And I did not expect that when I saw the first footage of it. I thought it was just some silly movie that we could write off. And just the fact that we're having these conversations, I think is a credit to that movie and to the movie makers. Yeah, absolutely. Greta Gerwig overnight comes from being an indie darling to probably the most powerful filmmaker in Hollywood, which is insane. You know what though? Her last movie actually made a ton of money. I think it was made for like 40 million and it made over 200 million. I mean, little women. Little Women, yeah. But now she's shown she can handle like huge production budgets and like big IPs and big properties. Like, I know I, what the hell is she going to do next? Who knows? Oh, she's doing a uh, Chronicles of Narnia. Yeah, that's what she's. Gonna I do. didn't know that. She's going to do it for um, Netflix, I believe it is. Yeah. I think we should do an episode on that eventually. Is she a closet super Christian? Like <laughs> those those books are <laughs> not minute. subtle. Wait, I mean, those I, books I, are not I subtle. I love those books, but but it wasn't for the Christian stuff. It's really good storytelling that really appeals to kids, I think. All right. Maybe we can talk. We can address this more in the after talk because it's too interesting. Uh, (laughs) 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 Any more are the critiques. I mean, I'm delighted by the fact that this is enraging people on the right. Is there any is even worth responding to? You know, somebody saying it tries to normalize the idea that men and women can't collaborate positively. Like, is there any reasonable cycle? It's just people. It's people saying shit because they know that other people will retweet them and dunk on them. And it's just that like nonsense cycle. The whole like It's total nonsense. A lot of these guys haven't even seen the movie. It's not even worth engaging with. Seriously, like it is really silly. Some of the stuff I'm hearing out of the right. It's not even worth talking about. The worst thing about it, I think, is it makes like good faith critiques of the film. Like the stuff we've been talking about. And there have been some really, really good efforts to have constructive feminist critiques of the movie that I've seen, but it's so hard for them to be taken like well on social media because 
everyone feels like they're in a war against the uh, against the alt right all the time. This film seems like a one off. Like I don't know if there will ever be another film exactly you know skating this particular line, but it's such a huge IP thing, and Mattel initiated this. They looked for somebody. This is not Gerwig's passion project that she came to them with. Like this is Mattel's attempt to become Marvel and reclaim that we are IP managers. We're not just manufacturers of plastic. So there will be a Barbie too, or other things in the Barbie verse. What would you want out of them? Given what we've been saying here today, I would want them. No, I just, just to not exist. There's a bunch I, of stupid really movies coming out. <laughs> I don't like, cause you can't have like, what are they going to do? A fucking mighty max. Do you remember that? Are they going to do like a <laughs> communist mighty max film? <laughs> Does Barbie, Barbie is un, uniquely interesting baggage. Yeah. Like that's none true. of the other 24 toy movies that they're going to make after this, they're going to drag some really good filmmakers through the mud trying to replicate this. It's going to be a real train wreck. I think, to be oh. honest, I, I just want a movie featuring a black Barbie that kind of deals with being black. If you give me anything remotely close to that, I'm going to be happy. I would expand on that. One of the other podcasts that I was listening to was saying, it's great, for instance, that they included a Barbie in a wheelchair and had her in the dance scenes and stuff. But you know that that was marketed as or would be presented as wheelchair Barbie, which is completely (laughs) counterproductive to what the representation... So that representation and tokenism... That's a really good point. are ...are in tension and something that actually takes that on in a serious way in talking about this toy thing. Like, here, yeah. look, we have a, a Barbie that's a plus size, but the prime Barbie is still the, you know, the center Barbie that the, the, the story centers on has to be this, you know, because of the baggage, just take on representation more generally. It could become like Orange is the New Black, right? Like you start with the... Have the Barbies all be in prison. And then... <laughs> I mean, they are prison, prison Barbie. <laughs> I'm sorry, I, mean, you- I can't, I can't. I'm sorry, prison Barbie. Come on, man. Like, Fashionable orange jumpsuits. Sure, why not? Yeah, what the hell? No, but I, I think that if you're gonna continue with this IP Mattel stuff, if you just keep making it weird, I'm kind of in. Barbie is a weird movie. I mean, it's silly. It's hilarious. It tackles some pretty uncomfortable issues, but it's also just bizarre. It's a weird, weird movie. And if you keep it weird, I'm going to be interested. I want an Alan movie. Let's just do that. Yeah. <laughs> There's a whole bunch of indie <laughs> movies about people who are like Alan. We don't need a whole other Alan. But movie. not people who are who are emerging from a, Barbie a, ni- a nightmare, trippy, <laughs> surrealist. Like, you know, I just wonder if there's more to that it was such an ad hoc and treated in a goofy way. And how do you travel between the lands that, uh, you know, somehow world building out of that both seems terribly wrongheaded and something I'd like to see. (laughs) (laughs) Does anybody know Barbie? Like, is that Alan? Is that like just something they made up for the movie or is there like, Oh no, 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 no. He was, he he was marketed as Ken's friend. Really? There was a real guy named Alan. Yeah. The closing closing credits shows like the actual ad copy or whatever. Whoa. (laughs) Poor guy. Oh my gosh. Tragic. Like I had a, um, I remember kissing Barbie. Do you guys remember kissing Barbie? She had a pout and she made, she made a kissing sound and her head went up to pucker up. It was a thing. <laughs> Let, Let's you had close. One, didn't you? you had one, didn't you, Sarah? I'm- I wanted one. Desperately, I wanted one. I wanted the Malibu Barbie, uh, Barbie that tanned. He had the tan mark. Yeah, there's some really interesting versions of this Barbie. getting weird. Should we close out with a we, relevant we definitely close out. recommendation <laughs> of something adjacent to this? Either you know, a different movie by these people that people should check out or Sarah, we didn't let you talk about all the Barbie movies from the nineties or whatever that maybe you wanted to get into. Is there, is it's okay. I, I spent the last week watching, rewatching some of those with my daughter. And actually it was fun listening to her because she is truly an expert on those early aughts Barbie movies. And that was actually a, a pure pure joy for me to hear her talk about it 
But yeah, no, those movies are, you know, they're for four year olds. <laughs> they're very, very fondly remembered though. I watched the Rapunzel one and it was, yeah, I wouldn't recommend it. But I'm glad I watched it. <laughs> that is so strange. I, I mean, if you're looking for recommendations, of course, Lady Bird is the one to go to. Like that is her breakout. Yeah. Take mm-hmm. note of who this filmmaker is movie. That movie is legitimately great. I didn't love Little Women. Didn't love it. I like other renditions of that film, of that story a little bit better, but I love that. Honestly, if we're going to stay in the whole realm of toys and whatnot, secretly below the shadows, not a lot of people are talking about this, but like that Transformers movie that came out was really fucking good. It was the latest one. Oh my gosh. It was incredibly good. I was shocked how good that movie was. It was very nineties East Coast hip-hop kind of influence. I really enjoyed that movie. Low-key, like, movies coming out of toys are some of my favorite movies this summer. I really enjoyed that movie. Really, really good. I only just thought of this now, but I actually do, do have a recommendation, which is, I think, a really interesting, similar attempt to take a like new feminist spin on a, like, a kid's property, which has been subjected to some critiques, and that's the Harley Quinn TV show. Oh, yeah, definitely. Which yeah, is good phenomenally good. And it it's is also so obviously good. connected to Margot Robbie, so uh, incidentally. Good. But that also is a really interesting feminist take on, on Harley Quinn, who is something of a problematic character for a lot of reasons. But really, really lands a lot of its political points in a way that, that Barbie maybe didn't. I haven't seen an episode of that show that I did not love. That show is incredibly good. Really good show. All right, well, we'll continue with a little more of this in the after talk. Go to patreon.com slash pretty much pop. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Thanks to the panel. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Bye, guys. Get more pretty much pop at pretty much pop.com. Get bonus content for every episode at patreon.com slash pretty much pop. Pretty much pop is part of the partially examined life podcast network, and it's also presented by openculture.com. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.